And we're back with another episode of The Anarchist Experience, episode 311, aka year seven, week nine, uh, coming at you this week. As always, I'm your host, Mr. Richie Rich, along with MC and KS. And since this is your regularly scheduled show, uh, daylight savings time notwithstanding, uh, those numbers for you to dial are 303-335-9527 or 303-835-1301. That's 303-335-9527 or 303-835-1301. Normally, I would throw it over to you guys and see what's going on in your world. Uh, But I've got news, I guess, from over here that's moderately important uh, because it is a topic that we usually cover and also uh, could affect the amount of people listening to this show because uh, we may not be on LRN.FM at the moment. Don't, don't indeed. Uh, and the reason for that, I, I briefed you guys uh, beforehand, is the Free Talk Live studio, which you know also ran, runs LRN.FM, uh, was raided by the FBI early, early Tuesday morning, March 16th, 2021. Um, and equipment was confiscated. People were kidnapped. Money was stolen. Uh, it was, a, it was a mess Tuesday morning. And, you know, it sounds a little selfish, but like, well, we might not be on LRN.FM given the what's going on, but that's just, that's just the way it is. Um, and it has nothing to do with uh, free talk live or the radio broadcast or the podcast network, the equipment was stolen, um, basically in conjunction with an FBI, an ongoing FBI raid for like years, apparently into cryptocurrency dealing, which, you know, we're aware of in some form or fashion, right? We talk about cryptocurrency, uh, on this program frequently. Uh, I don't know how much you want to divulge, but I want to say like we're users of cryptocurrency in some form or fashion right? Like I've got, I've got wallets. I get my, I get paid by free talk live in Bitcoin cash, uh, for my, you know, couple days of service per month. So there's a little bit of a chilling effect, I guess, you know, like when I first heard the news, you know, part of, you know, again, I hate what's going on, but I go like, shit, you know, it could have easily been a different time of day. It could have easily been when, um, I was in, in, in or around the studio, uh, they chose Tuesday morning, thank goodness. And then I was like, do I want to go back to the Free Talk Live studio um, at all, given the current circumstances? Do I mean, could could they arrest you because you happen to be present there? Or do you know? The, if I was present there, I would have been detained at the bare minimum because uh, Ian's uh, girlfriend, Bonnie, was detained temporarily um, and harassed. And, you know, I'm going to say the word assaulted, even though it wasn't particularly violent. Um, And his tenant slash roommate was also temporarily detained and had some of his possessions confiscated as well, just for being in the building. So, yeah. I I, like the fact that you used the word kidnapped instead of arrested. My apologies for using arrested. I think kidnapping is more appropriate. It is appropriate because there's, you know, uh, of, of all the charges and we can go through that as well. I have those pulled up. Um, there is no victim, right? There's, there was no alleged violence. Um, even the early FBI report, you know, uh, when, you know, because they, they, you know, they blocked off the street, um, they raided like 
a whole bunch of other businesses in the area associated with this, uh, what they call the criminal enterprise. Um, and in, in all the reports, you know, people are worried, like, why, why are there so much, you know, government agents here? Um, and the early reports was like, there is no threat to the community. Like the, 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 the greater community is safe from these, you know, criminals that they went and picked up. Um, six criminals, in fact, and we've, we've dubbed them the crypto six. Uh, so if you see hashtags on social media saying free the crypto six or the crypto six in some form or fashion, uh, that's them, uh, related to, again, a, a Bitcoin vending business, right? They had, they had Bitcoin vending machines, Bitcoin ATMs. Um, that is a terminology that may play a very distinct role, uh, in how things shake out. And so from what I've heard, right, I don't have, I don't have firsthand information of any of this is that Ian was under the impression, right. And had, you know, apparently again don't don't quote me verify this on your own this is my understanding um had had legal advice uh telling him that he was um fully legal in his operation of these businesses so part of the indictment uh where is it count oh excuse me count 19 continuing financial crimes enterprise seems a bit much if you know all he was doing was trading Bitcoin for federal reserve notes, right? Like people do that all the time. Um, including another gentleman, uh, I'm not going to mention by name who was visited by the FBI that same morning, but they didn't have a warrant. And so they showed up to the door, said, we want to talk. He said, I don't want to talk to you. And they closed the door. And then he was unmolested for the rest of that day. Like it was, uh, he, he had a live feed going on YouTube. So I watched that. Oh, I had that in the background, like all day Tuesday, just to, just to keep an eye on the situation. Um, but he, he has a Bitcoin ATM business that did not get wrapped up in any of this. So seems definitely targeted. Um, seems like there's, you know, there's more to this than meets the eye and we're all nervous, um, and a little excited to see, I'm excited is a bad word, but you know, interested in seeing how the case plays out, uh, even though it could be years <laughs> before there's so in, so any sort of uh, resolution through the court system. So much so that, you know, part of the, part of the uh, detention hearing was you should probably let them out because they've already admitted that this is going to be a complex case and could be, you know, prolonged uh, in its, in its duration because of the complexity and the nature of the case. Um, that it would be unfair and unusually cruel, perhaps, uh, to to hold him in custody throughout the duration of the trial proceedings uh, if he's not a flight risk. So we're again, we're well, still waiting on why, that. I'm guessing um, it, for a, another kind of issue, a letter to them saying we think that you're doing something that's uh, uh, against the law, I mean, in violation of the law. Uh, cease and desist or explain to us what you're doing i mean that would have been a polite uh uh did any of that precede all of this arrest not that i'm aware of um and i i hear what you're saying right you know and i think what needs to be remembered is ian is a public figure with a pro-freedom pro-peace pro-liberty stance and because of that 
tends to lean away from positive government actions, right? Like, like, he'll, he'll, you, you'll say pro-peace, pro-liberty, pro-freedom, right? But, you know, un- the underlying tone of that is anti-state, anti-government, anti-federal, anti-federal uh, state. So <coughs> speaking out against the state, speaking out against the United States federal government, um, and being as public as he is on Free Talk Live makes him a target, um, not unlike, and this is this is my personal comparison, not unlike Ross Ulbrich, uh, you know, the founder of the original, uh, oh, what's Silk, it called? Silk Road. Silk Road, yeah, thank you. I kept thinking salt, but yes, yeah, so the original Silk Road, thank you, where the the prosecution was more of a persecution and the sentence uh, that was levied far outweighs any sort of crime, if there was a crime at all, because he set up a website that allowed for you know people to to trade goods and services for money and crypto. So I want to say that this is a witch hunt um, and a persecution of a public figure, and the same and for the same reason that Ross Ulbricht got like you know double life sentences for operating a website. Um, it is, it is designed to cause a chilling effect amongst the pro-liberty, pro-freedom community, um, to dissuade us from engaging in similar behavior, such as using cryptocurrencies. Now, uh, they're, they're not saying by this that it is illegal for one to purchase and sell Bitcoin. Bitcoin. They're saying that it's illegal for this person to be a, like a, a financial intermediary. Is that what it is? Without uh, some kind of state license? Yeah. So I'll go through the charges for you. Um, I know I, I ran through it briefly off air, but I'll run through it. So at least it's, we got it on the record. Count one, conspiracy to operate an unlicensed money transmitting business. Count two, operation of a uh, unlicensed money transmitting business. Count uh, count three is uh, operating an unlicensed money transmitting business, but it's for a different person involved in the case, like one of the other crypto six. Count four, conspiracy to commit wire fraud. Counts five through 18, wire fraud. Uh, count 19, continuing a financial crimes enterprise. And count 20, money laundering. So so, so actually these these come down to just not having a license. You can do it, but you have to ask for permission first uh, to get our approval that you have the certification, like, a, uh, I don't know, some kind of certification uh, to be a, because there are lots of exchanges. They haven't gone against all these exchanges. Right. right? They, they go, after, go after him because he didn't get the licensed approval. Is that what they're saying? That is part of it, right? Because the other gentleman who also runs... Uh, a Bitcoin ATM business um, has all the financial documents in order, right? He's filled out all the proper paperwork. He's gotten the permission slip from the state. Um, and Ian has flaunted that, right? Uh, I see. That's what they're irritated with. They're, right. Yeah. Yeah. You cannot do this without our say so. Um, and part, part of it again. So there's a lot of details in the indictment. Uh, so I'll do my best to, you know, to, to, to go through this here. The unlicensed money transmittal business is the operations of the eight, uh, of the Bitcoin ATMs, 
without getting uh, permission from the the feds to do it because as uh, there's some New Hampshire case law somewhere that I'm not going to be able to quote you offhand that makes this business perfectly legal um, in the state of New Hampshire. So this is this is not a state law thing at all. The the, the stadies were there during the raids to assist the feds, um, but these are all federal indictments. So he didn't have federal permission to operate uh, a Bitcoin ATM. The interesting thing that I th- that you know someone has suggested is going to play out is the legal theory that there is a difference between a Bitcoin ATM uh, and a Bitcoin vending machine, right? Uh, I think the the claim or the understanding for Ian specifically, and again, don't quote me on this. I don't know. I you know I I go to Free Talk Live and I hang out at the studio once every couple of weeks. I do not have inside information on any of this stuff. Right. This is all what other people have suggested, um, and that it makes sense to me. But the the suggestion is he was not running an ATM because he was not the his his machines were not connected to any other service, allegedly, right? Like, I don't know what they're connected to. So he would load the vending machine with Bitcoin, right? And then you would, like, you go to a candy machine or soda machine, you would put your money in, your cash, your Federal Reserve notes, and it would vend you Bitcoin. So there was no transmittal of of money um, in that case or, you know, in the in that theory. You just... Like you would buy soda, you can buy partial Bitcoin from this vending machine. Um, and if, if it's a vending machine, the theory is you don't, you don't need permission to be a money transmitter because you're not actually transmitting money. You're just you're vending Bitcoin. Um, some of the other, you know, the, the conspiracy charges are, are what they are, right? Because there was more than one of them uh, operating this business. The wire fraud, uh, this is where they're claiming that the, the banking system is a victim. Right, because banks don't want to deal with people who are uh, d- making deposits for Bitcoin, um, and so to get around that, allegedly, uh, as part of the indictments, was that multiple churches were set up, um, and bank accounts were open in the names of the churches, and then uh, Bitcoin sale deposits were being made and being categorized as church donations. So you buy you buy Bitcoin from Ian either you know in person or through a vending machine, and he goes, yeah, yeah, this is a church donation. And I go, yeah, yeah, this is my donation to the church. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. And then he goes to the bank and goes, I have church deposits. I have donations from the church, and that allows him to defraud the banking system. Um, and I think the the irony there is, you know, the the reason that this was necessary if you want to say necessary is because the banks, you know, the banking system like blackballed him completely, you know, just would, wouldn't closed his accounts and would not let him open accounts at, you know, normal banks once he became known as a Bitcoin guy. Right. So they, they shut him out of, 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 of the banking industry. Right. He's, he's one of those, like he would have become one of those unbanked individuals, uh, for whom Bitcoin was built, right? And it, and is a use case for, right? If the banks will have nothing to do with you, Bitcoin will, right? Put your, put your money in a Bitcoin wallet, keep that on you, and you become the bank. 
you don't need to go to those banks who don't want your business, who overcharge you, you know, who look down upon you and who try to steal your money and inflate your currency as much as possible. Uh, but because he said there were church donations, he had defrauded and victimized um, this list of, of local banks. Why is it their business, whether they're church donations or not? Good question, KS. Um, I don't have an answer for you because the, the real answer is it's not. Um, but that's neither here nor there. So sidebar for a moment, because, you know, it's um, I'm I'm personally starting up a business, a side business of my own here, completely unrelated to cryptocurrency, completely unrelated to the events at hand. Um but I am, I'm now a certified firearms instructor. Um, and so I'm looking to make that my side business, right? Whatever. Um, and I go like, well, I've, I'm setting up a company. I need to get a bank account in the name of the company. And I'm looking for, uh, you know, the, the bank with like the best deal for small businesses. And I come across an online bank right? I'm like, oh, these terms look fantastic. This seems, aside from the fact that they don't have a local place for me to make deposits, right? You know, you can do, you can scan the check-in on your, on, on the app. Um, but they have, you know, they have a, you know, a clause in there that, you know, if you're in the firearms industry, you are not allowed to bank with us. And I went, well, that sucks. But I called, right? I called, I waited on hold. They didn't call. I sent an email back and forth. Cause I'm like, well, I'm not, I'm not in the firearms industry. I'm, I'm in the education industry, Right. I'm an instructor. I'm a trainer who, you know, does this for firearms. So I don't want to, I didn't want to open up, open up an account. Right. And then have that account subsequently shut down when they found out that I was a firearms instructor. I just, I wanted clarification ahead of time. And so I finally got someone on the phone. I said, I have some questions. Um, I have a long list of questions, you know, but the first one is important because if we don't get past the first one, the other ones are irrelevant. Um, but I really want to bank with you. So let's, you know, I, I wanted to talk to someone to, to do this. And I said, um, I'm not, I'm a firearms instructor, right? I don't deal in firearms. I don't, you know, manufacture firearms. I'm not in the business of, you know, that side of the firearms industry. So I wanted clarification on whether or not I could still bank with you as an instructor. And they said, no, right. I, okay. That conversation is over then. Cause I have all these other questions as a new business owner right? As a small business owner that I'm new to this, I've not done this before, um, that I don't have to ask because it won't matter. And that was the end of the conversation. So to tie this they back said in, no, yeah, they said no, <laughs> that, that surprises me also, you know, which is fine, right? It, it's surprising. It was surprising that when I was reading through their FAQs and, you know, the, the need to know information before opening an account that it said, you know, this particular industry, it's just a flat out no. Like we don't, we will not do business in that industry. And I, okay, well then that's why I called for clarification. Am I in that industry? Sure. Am I, if I, you know, but they said no. And so whether, you know. Wait a minute, they said no, that they cannot do business with you? Yeah. Or no, that, that you're not in the firearms industry? No, they said no, they will not do business with me because they consider firearms oh. instruction yeah. to be part of that industry. Oh, I see. Okay. So to, to roll this back into your question, it's their bank, right? If they, if they don't want to do yeah. business with me as a firearms instructor, perfectly fine. Um, if any number of these defrauded institutions did not want to do business uh, with Ian or any of his churches 
uh, or businesses because the the business itself was related to Bitcoin, also fine, right? I mean, yeah, they don't they don't they don't have to justify, you know, their policy. They just have to state it, and that's it. Um, and so for me, I went okay. They they said no. I have to find another institution now. Um, mm-hmm. On on the crypto side of things, for Ian, um, he found a way around that. Right, opened up the opened up the banks in the name of a church. Didn't say it was a crypto church, although one of them was. Like he opened up like the the first New Hampshire crypto church or something like that. Don't again, don't quote me, please. Um, in order to get around their 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 policy of not to do business with people doing business in cryptocurrency, so it's none of their business, and yet it's their policy. And technically, they would have a right to that policy if it can be found. Right, if there's evidence to support that these were in fact. Uh, church donations, right? Then he is not in violation of the policy. And I will leave that up to the judicial system uh, and whatever jury is sitting behind that bench um, to determine, you know, to, to determine those facts, right? I'm not going to comment. I'm not going to suggest. I'm not even going to say what I would do if I was on the jury, because I haven't heard all the facts. Um, But if they have a policy not to do business in cryptocurrency. Then it it also seems to me if they have a policy, and some a client is um, violating that policy or misleading them about it, it seems to me that that's their problem to resolve. It's it has nothing to do with the state uh, intervening. Uh, uh, does it? I mean, why why would why is it the state's uh, obligation to see to it that? Uh, that somebody isn't uh, um, misleading another person in their in their business. It seems to be it's up to the business to have ways of scrutinizing and and uh, verifying their clients. And if they can't do that, um, uh, maybe I'm off base here. I mean, cases of well, fraud or so on. Or this this would be the count of wire fraud. So let me read you the count uh, as it is written in the indictment. And then feel free to, to comment on whether or not uh, it qualifies in your mind. Uh, the allegations of paragraph one through six of this indictment are realleged and incorporated as if set forth in full herein. Uh, paragraph 22. On or about the below listed dates in the District of New Hampshire and elsewhere, the defendants devised and intended to devise a scheme to defraud the financial institutions listed below, and there is a list, and to obtain money and property by means of materially false and fraudulent pretenses, representations, and promises. For the purpose of executing the scheme to defraud, the defendants caused to be transmitted by means of wire communication in interstate commerce the signal and sounds described below, um, telephone call, wire transfer, email, yada, 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 uh, all in violation of Title 18 United States Code Section 1343. That's the end of that count. So it may, it may be against their policy, um, but in violating their policy, potentially, allegedly, uh, also violated United States, uh, Title 18, United States Code, Section 1343, wire fraud. Uh, another question. Um, when you say you're a church, um, is there a legal definition of what is a church so that, so that uh, if you, you know, uh, yeah, so that uh, 
I mean, I, I as I understand it, there there have been people who set up a church in order to help conscientious objectors get out of uh, you know the military draft during the Vietnam War. I don't know if they said, well, there's a legal definition of the church and you don't fit it, so therefore you don't qualify for the uh, being excused from the draft. Um, what is it that takes a definite? I mean, a church seems to be a pretty broad uh, term. I would agree with you. Um, and forming a church was one of my goals here as well. Um, I don't think I'm necessarily deterred by this. I'm sure there is a legal definition for church. Uh, see if I can find that really quickly. Uh, but again, that that is going to be determined by the court. Uh, actually, you know what? I, I opened up two law dictionaries, uh, law dictionary apps, and I do not see church listed in any of them. So good question. Uh, I don't have an answer for you, but it it's going to be determined uh, in the course of the trial. One of the things that they brought up in one of the hearings that I was that I watched because it was uh, publicly available on Zoom was that the, he listed his occupation as minister of the church, right? Any number of churches. Um, the uh, one of the other crypto six, nobody, who's also a host of Free Talk Live and you know well-known activist in the area, has his own church, right? He calls it the Church of the Invisible Hand, right? It's, it's a market-based religion of some kind. Do I know all the tenants? No. Uh, did he fill out all the proper paperwork to be designated as a, as a church in New Hampshire? I believe so. Uh, I haven't seen him, but you know, like my understanding again, cause I'm trying to do this for myself as well. Um, and I, I don't want to like expose my hand here, but you know, uh, M does spiritual healings, right? Like that's, that's her side business. Um, and spiritual guidance. So I go like, well, if, if we can do that under an officially listed church, right, then you get the benefits of a church to continue on your business. It right? sounds like what is at stake here is another case of licensing, you know, that you have to, uh, you can't just, uh, they're saying you can't just declare yourself a church. You have to declare yourself a church and fill out the paperwork that satisfies their licensing requirement, uh, to be a recognized church doesn't matter what a church is because it's clearly a, a very very vague and broad term that right. can imply anything right but they and just they just object the fact that you didn't fill out the paperwork beforehand and i i i want to say that my, i might be communicating that improperly if that's how you're receiving it because i'm pretty sure that all the churches are legitimate churches by the state of new hampshire like he and they get uh, tax deductible status, I imagine, because they, uh, as a church, then they qualify as, as a religious institution with uh, tax deductible status. Is that which seems like a the... good fucking reason to start a church? You know, yeah. I, I was at dinner, I'm, so I'm talking to a, a local friend of mine. I don't mind sharing this because this is my personal, a local friend of mine, um, and he's, uh, oh man, now I can't think of his religion whatever his religion is, it's like, um, it believes in like the ancient Norse gods. Um, anybody got the name for that? I starts with an a or something. Anyway, I went to one of his ceremonies, but he is also trying to like build that up into a legitimate recognized church in the state for the same reasons, right? Because, because you, you, you get certain benefits 
and it's his belief structure. Um, so I don't, I don't, I, again, I don't have all the facts. I wasn't part of this. I'm not privy to, you know, filings of anything. Um, but it is my understanding that all of the churches that Ian and the rest of the crypto six set up, um, were legitimate under the, under the eyes of the state of New Hampshire. Um, and even, you know, the, the property that was owned by the individual Ian, um, was later transferred into ownership of the church to get those same benefits as a church house, as a minister of the church. So in that aspect of it, he did get all the permission. It seems like almost any, any belief system can be classified as a church. I mean, you, you could have a church, uh, um, great and exalted belief in majoritarian rule, which is what government's church is. Right. But that's not, that, that's not, um, I don't, I don't think the, the church is the sticking point as far as the indictments. It's not that he formed a church. It's that he used the church as a cover to continue on this criminal enterprise of Bitcoin sales. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so anyway, moving on, maybe. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, did you did you have any more questions about that? Because no, 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 it's fine. it's really interesting. Um, I think it's just uh, getting a little bit. Asa true. That's his religion. Yeah. That's the one. Okay. I looked it up. Awesome. So that's that is this gentleman, my my buddy. This is his religion. He's Asa true, um, and he does. You know, that's his beliefs. That's the the gods to whom he prays. Um, and the ceremonies that he performs and you know so to to get that recognized right in the state of new hampshire if he wants to have his own church building church land church foundation you know church he's got to get special permission from the state um and it's beneficial to do so so you know part of the conversation that i had with him um to to, to tie this back in real briefly and then we'll move on was that he doesn't like all these other religion, all these other churches popping up, um, for whatever reason, because it removes legitimacy from his efforts, right? Like if every libertarians formed their own church and filed the proper paperwork with the state, well, well then, then Ozatru doesn't look as, as promising, right? It like waters down, um, the, the, the veracity that the term church has, if that makes any sense. So moving on then. Um, so yeah, so that's, what's been going on. That is why we may not be on LRN.FM for the foreseeable future. Still waiting to hear back from that. Um, if you have any more questions or concerns, there's plenty of news articles about that. And I would literally, I would really listen in to any episode of free talk live starting at the 16th, because it's been covered, um, extenuously since then there's been multiple news articles written about it. I don't have links to those because they're all, you know, mostly local news articles. Um, but it's going to be inter- it's going to be an interesting court case uh, if and when it does proceed to to see if you know that all these objections on our part right will be levied out and overcome by the defense. We'll see. All yeah. right, right on. Good luck. Thank you. I mean, good luck to him. He's he's yeah, been to in the, well to, to the whole crypto community and church community and everything else. <laughs> right, because because again, there's a lot of implications. Right. You know, what yeah, KS, you asked a good question. What does it mean to be a church? Right. What does it mean to accept church donations? 
um, in one in 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 the in the uh, detention hearing, right? The prosecutor the prosecutor the, the prosecutorial side um, started with what seemed like opening statements, and he, the defense attorney even called them out on that. Like it doesn't sound like a detention hearing; it sounds like open statements to the case. Um, but one of the uh, one of the complaints uh, against Ian during this hearing was that he charged a higher fee than the going rate for crypto transactions, right? Like Ian charged 10% over spot to deal with him and not have your, you know, uh, information collected. Whereas the going rate on the open market for other exchanges that collect your personal private data and ask questions about you was only 3%. So this premium, this 7% premium that Ian charged, um, was the wink and the nudge that you can conduct that you can uh, launder money through him with a wink and a nudge, uh, with a, or with a wink and a nod. Uh, so yeah, so so ch- charging charging uh, you know m- charging what the market will bear is also a crime in this case. <laughs> and uh, and what would they be laundering money for? You know the 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 drug market that the the, the state deemed was uh, I- illegal, and so now they have to. Uh, do things on the black market so again it's just the the state creating their own problems <laughs> yes and that was part of it so again this this came out afterwards and uh the the word on the street is and is that he's he sold bitcoin to a fed right and the fed was pretending to be a drug dealer like oh yeah man i just got all this money from selling drugs i want to convert it to bitcoin and ian says something to the effect of Hey man, your business is your business. I don't want to know. Don't tell me. I'm just here to sell you Bitcoin. And then boom, got him for for uh for money laundering and conspiracy to launder money. Because he knowingly sold Bitcoin to a drug dealer for the purpose of obfuscating funds or something to that effect. But again, as you said, MC, a problem created by the state, right? And, and whom do they choose to take out take this out on? Well, probably one of the largest public figures uh, in opposition to the state and its existence as a whole. All right, moving on. Uh, I'm going to read these backwards from what I read them earlier, and then you tell me where you want to start. Um, unless you guys had stuff. That was it for me. No, I, I think I heard something about uh, Jordan Peterson explaining UBI or something like ah, that. Ah, I knew you would like that. We'll just start with that one then. Jordan Peterson on the universal basic income. This coming from the Acton Institute. Um, I bring this up. For, I, I found this article and then I brought it up for a couple reasons. Um, I know you're a bigger fan uh, than I am of Jordan Peterson, and I'm not not a fan of Jordan Peterson. I just I know that you've you've taken a particular interest uh, over the last few years uh, of his body of work, MC, uh, and you've also been a small proponent uh, of universal basic basic income. And I will caveat this and feel free to correct me if implemented by a very strict criteria, right? Not the sure. general U- UBI, but like yeah. properly well, implemented UBI could be beneficial. There's a couple ways of looking at it. And the, the one that Andrew Yang, uh, the guy that was running for president, uh, didn't get the nomination on the Democrat side, but um, he has the view of, uh, at least what he tells people is that, you know, We'll, we'll implement UBI, and basically, you won't have to work unless you want to, and that's ridiculous. 
So um, I look at UBI as a way, as an alternate system of uh, the, the government doing what, what they currently do, um, printing $3 trillion, giving it to their friends, and then giving uh, you know $1,400 uh, handout to people making under $100,000. So Yeah. I think you commented on a Facebook post about that uh, similarly as well, right? Like it's costing the government, you know, nearly $6,000 to implement this bailout package of which they're only returning $1,400 to, to people. Yeah. But it's not even going to everybody. And that's, that's kind of my point is, yeah. you know, I, I've got a, a friend in, in Missouri. Um, he, he doesn't qualify for the bailout or not bailout, the, uh, the stimulus. So, um, and you know, he just makes just over the amount, uh, for the limit uh, with him and his wife combined. So, um, you know, so he's, he's going to be, you know, supposedly paying the, the increased taxes that they're going to have to raise to pay for everybody else's, uh, you know, $1,400 checks. Um, that's, that's not, not right. And not only that, but the, the total amount is, you know, $6,000 per, uh, you know, every, every man and wo- woman, and child in the whole country so he's he's got to pay you know all of that not just not just for the 1400 uh, that other people are getting but he's got to pay the whole the whole brunt so, right penalized for being productive and wealthy well he's he's not even really that wealthy either so it's you know uh by the state's make, definition people that make uh uh what do you call it a middle income um they they have house payments and car payments and insurance and and everything else too. So, um, <laughs> you know, he he could have used benefited from the fourteen hundred dollars as much as anybody else could have. Yep. And and so you're saying if they're going to give it out, give it out to everyone equally. Yeah, I mean, that's... it's it's maddening to think that that the government it's it, it you know just because it's legal for them to. to print money and uh, add it to the national debt and hand it to their friends that, you know, just because it's legal doesn't mean it's right. And, oh yeah. And, and the same, I mean, you, you could also say the same thing about printing a whole bunch of money and giving, giving it to everybody. Uh, but at least, at least it would be a, a fair game. You know, this, this, the game we're playing right now is so unfair that nobody would play it if they had an option to like, imagine the monopoly game where the the banker goes yeah well I, you know i've got a, a couple of friends playing with me and, and i'm going to give them uh you know 90% more money than i than i give the other guy and uh and, and if somebody starts to get ahead we'll just uh, stop giving them money when they pass go and uh we'll just keep playing that game like nobody would play it <laughs> yep and then move into bitcoin and but but take your chances there right because I, I know um, you brought up earlier with the, the last uh, topic we talked about, KS, was that it's still okay to buy Bitcoin. Um, yes, it is still okay to buy Bitcoin. What I was suggesting is that these activities have a chilling effect amongst the community members. Um, because whereas it is still okay to buy Bitcoin, you may not want to involve yourself if you believe that being involved in the Bitcoin trade whether it's for just you know personal gain or as a business, is going to put you in the crosshairs of the FBI. And there's nothing to say that, like anything else, they won't escalate their activity um, if they're successful, right? If uh, you know the the cryptocurrency market, Bitcoin specifically, um, is a big threat to the 
the system, the Federal Reserve System, um, and the government in general. Because if you stop using their money, you they no longer have as much control over you and your life. So get out of their system, get into crypto, but it's it's still a dangerous game uh, to get into. And who knows what level they're going to crack down on next, right? There were, um, was it last year or the year before, there were concerns that, you know, anyone who had ever done a, trans- a significant transaction on Coinbase was about to get a talking to from, you know, the, the feds. Right, because they were tur- they were requesting and getting turned over all the information from anyone who participated in that exchange, and again, chilling effect. Uh, so we'll see. But moving on, uh, Jordan Peterson on the universal basic income and how that relates. As we enter a new age of automation and artificial intelligence, fears about job loss and human obsolescence are troubling the cultural imagination. Prosperity abounds, but innovators like Elon Musk and Bill Gates continue to predict a future where humans steadily diminish in their contributions, becoming even more dependent on external sources of provision. As a result, many have hitched their hopes to a universal basic income, a form of widespread welfare in which regular cash transfers are guaranteed by the government, regardless of a citizen's status or situation. It's a proposal that has been advocated by a diverse mix of leaders from progressives like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and Nancy Pelosi, to tech entrepreneurs like Mark Zuckerberg and Jack Dorsey, to free market thinkers like Milton Friedman and Charles Murray. More recently, it was a central plank of Andrew Yang's failed presidential bid, and it continues to be a defining feature of his campaign for mayor of New York City. Set amid the dystopian disruptions of COVID-19, the appetite for a UBI has only increased, tested by the now steady drip of stimulus checks. In most of the proposals, the numbers simply don't add up, creating an insurmountable national debt. But even in the more sober-minded attempts from libertarians like Friedman and Murray, which prioritize administrative and budgetary efficiency through a drastic dismantling of the welfare state, the fundamental thinking is still woefully inadequate, exhibiting little care or concern for the long-term social and spiritual side effects of mechanical redistribution. The idea has long-standing roots, stretching back to early advocates like Thomas More and Thomas Paine. But in our current context, it represents a very particular form of surrender. Indeed, while humanity remains anxious about the prospects of our future robotic replacements, we also seem to be strangely at peace with just keeping our bellies full until the transition is finally complete. In an interview on Dr. Oz, psychologist Jordan Peterson challenges these attitudes, arguing that mere economic rectification is insufficient to address the challenges that lie ahead. At its core, a UBI promotes a materialistic view of human work and human needs. In turn, it's bound to set us on the wrong path when it comes to human destiny. Quotes, the guaranteed basic income idea is predicated on the idea that man lives by bread alone. Peterson explains, well, that isn't how it works. And I've certainly seen that in my clinical practice. Peterson proceeds to explain how money can often enable and compound existing problems. I've had clients, especially addicts, where if you gave them money, they would die, he says, uh, recalling a particular (laughs) example from his clinical practice. As long as my client was flat broke, he wasn't dead. It's an extreme example, but it points to an important insight. People need purpose more than money. Each individual situation is highly unique and complex. In the case of Peterson's client, family, poverty, and psychology all play intersecting roles. 
but this only furthers the case that our solutions ought not to be very over, excuse me, not ought not to be overly simplistic. The more our economic policy ignores the capacity and complexity of the human person, the more we risk a systematic abdication of human creativity and contribution. It isn't the provision of material well-beings with ease that allows people to live properly, even though a certain amount of material wealth is ne- is a necessary precondition, its purpose. That is a much more difficult problem to solve. We need something to grapple with. We need meaning to justify our lives. And some of that is to be found in the struggle against privation and malevolence. The mere offering of material sustenance to people isn't going to solve the problem. Uh, Dostoevsky knew this 150 years ago. He said, if you gave people everything they wanted, so all they had to do was eat cake and busy themselves with the continuation of the species, the first thing they do is smash it all to hell so that something interesting could happen. That's our, fa- <laughs> that's our fatal flaw and salvation, that wanting to contend rather than sit back and have everything taken care of. Uh, that's a pausing point if you want to jump in there, KS. Would you think we'd smash it all to hell? <laughs> well, I no, I mean, I remembered how there was a, some kind of a an experiment with rats and how they made an abundance of food available uh, to the rats. So there was never any shortage and, and all they had to do was just eat it. And uh, I, th- I think uh, it was a tremendous uh, dissolution of the community of the rats. You know, one, one uh, super alpha collected his harem off in the corner and the rest uh, languished and died of starvation um, just for apathy <laughs> they, they lost all uh, all drive and motivation and uh, there was a lot of fighting and there was a lot of quarreling i mean they had the abundance so they didn't have to worry about it. i don't know if that's i mean the, the point of that whatever i read about it was that this uh, story was saying with with the abundance uh, and never having have to worry about anything uh society uh does become dissolute and dysfunctional and I, I, think, I think there's a really good strong point in that. I think that's happening right now. Um, in, With people in sitting around because of COVID? Well, not just because of COVID, but things have, have been getting better. Uh, and the even the climate has been improving such to the ex- extent that uh, people have nothing better to do but sit around and be told what to be afraid of. Like if if people didn't have access to the internet and the TV, um, they would never know that there's anything weird going on with the climate because there's really not. I mean, because they wouldn't see it firsthand. Well, his, historically, there's there's always been you know extreme weather patterns, and you know <laughs> they're gonna say, okay, well you have to blame it on CO two now. It's like, well, why not blame it on the witches? You know, <laughs> like, oh well, right. CO two has something to do with. Uh, the, the real world of course but um yeah the, the world's not bad I and mean, we have increased food production uh, and there's so there's a lot of evidence that that people just are willing to uh not not look at just because um they they want to see problems in the world you know that, that don't exist people are more willing to be afraid of stuff that isn't going to kill them sure um, another example, KS, for from uh, for your rat example, is the the ones with the rats and like um, drug use, right? Like 
There was one where the 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 rat clicks the button and they get like a, a heroin kick or something like that or a cocaine kick or whatever it is. Uh, and they found that you know if you leave the rat in the cage, well they'll they'll fucking click that button all day long, right? But if you let the rat out of the cage where he can you know run around, be active, have other things to do, uh, the rat never goes to that button at all, right? Like mm. the the drug use of the rat was a product of the restrictive environment that you left the rat in, and I I think that that fear is is part of people's addiction. They they want to find problems to solve, and if they don't have any problems to solve, they'll create them imaginary ones in their head, and then they'll come up with things like the Green New Deal, which completely destroys capitalism, or the idea of a free market. Uh, yeah, and in order to solve a problem that is not going to kill them, um, and that's that's happening right now, and that's 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 why I always say it's my biggest fear, is that uh, enough people will live in that fantasy that that the world is terrible and humans are terrible, um, yeah, and so uh, they must be controlled and starved to death, basically, and, then, and it even goes as far as uh, you know Bill Gates wanting to pollute the upper atmosphere to, to cool the planet down um makes no sense that's <laughs> unless you understand that his goal is eugenics to kill off may, <laughs> maybe and that's portion the thing. of the population then it all falls actually, into place i don't actually know what's going on his in his mind but i don't trust him and i don't want to pollute the atmosphere to cool the planet like a, a warm planet it's just fine <laughs> warm is better <laughs> probably but you know we we haven't got to the point where where uh, a warm planet has has you know caused humanity massive problems. You know, it's, so far it's caused increased food production. You know, <laughs> right? Oh no, the horror. And, and to your to your point, MC, about people you know looking for problems to create where there otherwise would be none. Um, I have this headline uh, in my show prep for Free Talk Live. Uh, whether we get to it on that you know, on that show is irrelevant, but here's, here's the headline that I had pulled up. Es- experts say mask separation anxiety is real, right? So you, you've, you've forced this mask mandate on people for a year now. Um, and now that they're getting the vaccine and you can take off the mask, right? Because now you're safe, you know, from this dirty, dirty Chinese virus. Uh, <laughs> people don't want to, and I go, oh, no, I, Go without yeah, because, my mask now? Because the vaccine is only 95% secure, so there's still a 5% chance that you could get something. What, whatever the reason, <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. it's so ludicrous. Like mm-hmm. fi- you, can fi- you can finally take off the mask, and uh, now people don't want to. Yeah. Jesus. Well, and that's fine. I don't, I don't really care what other people do. I think it's, I, you know, I, I don't like interacting with people that are constant fear. Those are the people I would like to avoid. Absolutely, um, and so it it just it just it's just a signal for me to not want to interact with them. So that's fine. Yeah. All right. Reading back into the article, uh, that reference bit a minute ago before we took a break comes from uh, Dostoevsky's novel Notes from the Underground, in which the Russian author reflects on the mystery of human agency. Men still are men, and not like the keys of his piano, which the laws of nature threaten to control so completely that soon no one will be able to desire nothing but by the calendar, Dostoevsky wrote. And that is not all. 
even if man really were nothing but a piano key, even if this were proved to him by natural science and mathematics, even then he would not become reasonable, but would purposefully do something perverse out of simple ingratitude, simply to gain his point. When it comes to the UBI, we do well to recognize this reality. We are not keys of a piano, cogs in some grand economic machine. Predictably, the corresponding effort to run humanity by the calendar have thus far come up short. In Ontario, Canada, a pilot program of UBI was abruptly cancelled after leaders concluded it was a disincentive to get people back on track and was not helping people become independent contributors to the economy. Likewise, in a UBI experiment in the Netherlands, progressive economist uh, Eve Eve, Eve Marks concluded that it would increase poverty by 3%, emphasizing that it was massively inefficient if one cares about (laughs) the least well-off in society. A little ironic that it's named Marks. I love it. (laughs) That's great. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. That uh, the desire to make everybody well off wound up in people being worse off. <laughs> I mean, yeah, seems you're, to be you're like so the right. That's exactly government. what the what what the Marxian um, uh, prescription leads to. Right, and but this this is uh, just to be fair. This is a different Marx. This is progressive economist Ive Marx I V E. Marx. I know that's why the yeah. irony was uh, there was that profound. <laughs> it was an irony the there. <laughs> What way to choose a profession there, Marx. Peterson is right that we all long for meaning and purpose, and much of that meaning is found in work itself by God's very design. In working on behalf of our neighbors, our hearts and hands are ordered in a way that both affirm our inherent dignity and cultivates civilization. If we neglect or forget about these connections, our tinkering will be tragically confined at the surface level. As Peter Cove argues in his own critique of conservative support for the UBI, our future depends on a robust future for work because work does so much more than provide for our basic needs. Work draws us into the public square and instills in us a sense of personal responsibility. It allows people to feel the pride and self-respect that comes with supporting their spouses and children. We should pursue generosity and seek efficiency where we can And that includes our efforts to provide some sort of public safety net for the needy. But in designing systems for the future, we should stay focused on what actually helps humans thrive over the long term. Peterson refers to our humanity's inner drive for freedom and purpose as our fatal flaw and salvation. At the Acton Institute, we might put it differently, the human person created in the image of God is individually unique, rational, and the subject of moral agency and a co-creator. Accordingly, he possesses intrinsic value and dignity, implying certain rights and duties both for himself and other persons. We see the future not through the lens of chaos, seeking to secure and protect ourselves from the inevitability of robot overlords. Cash transfers will not protect us from such fate. Instead, through the lens of God's creative design, we see humans as protagonists in a bigger, more mysterious economic story. Far from embracing human obsolescence, we can look for opportunities to better empower human wisdom and creative service, to love our neighbors through new ideas, new relationships, and the economic abundance that's bound to follow. The future is bright, and human contribution is a key part of that story. Uh, End of the article. Um, 
So your thoughts in general, and if you want to tie them to the necessity, uh, again, of the, the stimulus checks that everyone is clamoring for uh, at the moment, I'd like to hear. Well, I mean, I just have to point out again that there's two different ways of looking at UBI. One of them is that it will replace the need to work. That's ridiculous. That's uh, that's um, destructive. Um, now, maybe there's some guy uh, that uh, is, is homeless, doesn't need a home. He has a, a surfboard. He lives on the beach in a tent, um, and he can get by with a you know s- uh, small funding to basically put food in his mouth, and maybe he can live off of uh, whatever uh, is 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 handed to him. Um, but for most people, if everybody was getting what whatever the the uh, inflation is, um, it wouldn't be enough for them. It wouldn't be enough for a home and insurance and, and a car and gas and all that stuff. And so whatever they would get for free, if everybody was getting it, wouldn't be enough. They'd still have to work. They'd still have to interact with other people. Uh, the difference is everybody would know what everybody's getting and they'd, they'd have a, a better understanding of, of uh, uh, the money in, in the economy. Um, right now, most people have no idea how much money is being printed, how much is being handed out to other people, uh, to you know the government cronies and, and their uh, well politically connected people, the banking system. Um, Do the they care and should they care no. as long as they're getting their stimmy check though? Well, that's that's the whole thing. That's that's where the fraud is. They they, they get a handout and they think they're getting something for free, and and they're and they're not. They're they're getting less than they should have if if they were in control of the system you know if if one of these people uh you know getting the $1400 check was was put in charge of handing out the next stimulus would he go oh i like all these government programs i i need to i need to fund all of these way more than than uh you know p- more p- more people getting access to the $1400 checks you know that that wouldn't make any sense um so do, yeah, do either ahead. of you view these stimulus checks as uh, a positive or, or a net negative um, in the grand scheme of things? Like should, should these checks not go out to, to people in need? Um, I don't, I don't look at it that way. I don't look at it as should they go out or shouldn't they not? It's, it's to me that it's a, it's a consequence of the bad policies that the government created uh, a long time ago. So um and it's 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 basically uh, just a political maneuvering. They 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 get to hold their power if they give some handouts once in a while. Yeah, and well, that much is true. So, yeah. uh, gentlemen, I need to excuse myself. I have a an obligation to my wife. This uh, set up for a lunch. Well, let's just so, wrap it up then, because we're at the end of the show anyway. I was going to okay. go to final thoughts. <laughs> uh, final thoughts. No, thanks. Have a nice day. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) You guys know where to find us. Anarchistexperience.com on Telegram, t.me slash anarchistexperience or t.me slash the anarchistexperience. And if you'd like to contribute to the show financially, you can do so through Patreon, patreon.com slash the anarchistexperience. Thank you very much for listening. I'll talk to you all next week. Peace. Aloha.